0: Welcome to New Hope's Sermon of the Week. We pray that you would be blessed and encouraged by this week's message. Good morning. good morning. It's good to see all of your faces from up here. Um so before I start this morning, can I just take a moment to introduce someone to you? Yeah. Can you come here? This is my sister Melody. Yeah. Yeah. And this little miracle right here is Chase Ryan Smith. He is such a little sweet love, isn't he? He loves the lights. You see the lights? So uh, those of you who um, may have heard, uh, this little guy is a miracle. Um, My sister and my brother-in-law, Rob, walked through an incredible journey of Uh, An ectopic pregnancy, an infertility, and a miscarriage, and then came along this little love, and we're so Uh, grateful for him. Thank you, God, for this baby, and I'm so proud of my sister. This is a powerful woman right here, and anyone who's ever been able to witness uh, childbirth, I had the incredible privilege of being there when he was born, and uh, you don't know how strong a person is until you see them. Giving birth—it's an amazing, beautiful thing, and uh, is. that is—that is when you see someone really show what they're made of. <laughs> and she's you. made of good things. Thanks. I love you. <laughs> I'm so glad she's here today. For my, this is my first time up here by myself. I, I preached once a couple of years ago with Steve and. It was a fun experience, um, but this is my first debut sermon on my own. Um, So I just want to recap a little bit. Um, Over the last few weeks, we've been covering uh, New Hope's core values. Um, That's something that Steve had introduced. We have seven core values here at New Hope, and so far we've covered three of them. Ralph covered freedom. Freedom. Uh, We covered identity, which Karen did last week, which was really, really good. And we covered generations. That was Cheryl and Grace who shared on that. Um, And today I'm going to be sharing on empowerment. Um, Jonathan Welton came up with this really cool little thing. If you take these seven words, you can say FBI geeks. It's kind of a neat way to remember them. It's helped me, so if you think FBI geeks, do it with me. So FBI geeks is freedom, biblical, identity, generational, empowering, kingdom-minded, supernatural. Pretty cool, right? Just a fun little, fun little thing for you. So uh, I have this little line up here, you may see. I'm going to tell you about this. Um, I'm going to share a testimony with you about empowerment. Empowerment is something that's near and dear to my heart, and and part of the reason is because of the journey that the Lord has brought me through. Um, If I think back two and a half years, I was um, out at Bethel in Redding, California, with um, Wally and Elizabeth Lawson, and we had gone out there for a children's leadership conference. And one of the things they had us walk through was to write down your dreams. We had to write down about 20, 25 dreams. Anyone who's ever had to do that knows that can be challenging. Well, one of the dreams that really stuck out in me was I had a dream to be able to speak in front of people without fear. And prior to that, I couldn't do it. I was terrified. would never, ever want to be up here doing what I'm doing right now. Um, I've led worship for many years, so I think people just assume that I'm comfortable talking in front of people. But uh, those of you who are familiar with singing know that singing's very different from talking. I can sing a song for you, and the words are already laid out, and it's pretty safe. As long as you have a decent voice, you can get up here and do it. Some people would find that terrifying. But for me, I was much more comfortable with that. And when I first started leading worship, I would say to Steve, What if I have to say words in between the songs? what do I say? So i like practice words in between the songs. Like, I'm serious. It was terrifying. So I had this dream, and I said, God, I am so sick and tired of this stupid fear, yeah. and I want to be able to talk in front of people. So I laid that out as a dream two and a half years ago. And then, you know, sl- slowly started working through some of the lies that I was believing about what was going to happen if I was up in front of people. Lies about failing and, uh, you know, all of the lies that go along with that fear. And then fast forward a year and a half ago. Um, I, had, I had the privilege of going out to Bethel Reading again. Steve and I were out there with Karen and Jonathan, and we went to the leadership advance. Um, we were out to lunch with someone who was one of the leaders there at Bethel, and she, we were eating with her, and all of a sudden she just started prophesying over me. And she said, I see in your belly the roar of a lion. And it's time for that roar to come out. Yeah. And I, that just hit me in a spot that was like, okay, God, I hear you. I'm going to do this. I know, I know it's time. The funny thing was, the night before I had left to go out to Bethel, I had sat down with Marissa because the song Roar from Katy Perry had just come out. And that song is a really Power. powerful song, powerful words. And I downloaded it, and I sat down with her, and I said, Marissa... Just some, come sit with me. I want you to hear the words to the song. So we sat and we listened. And we listened through the words. So I had that, that in my head when I was going there. So that was one more reason why it, it really resonated with me. So then later that night, we were there at a worship service. And they had just released the congregation to just go prophesy over each other. Well, a woman came up and prophesied over me. And guess what she said? <laughs> you have a lion's roar in your belly and it's time for it to come out. Wow. 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 So um, moving forward, my mantra for this year, Steve and I laugh about this, is that I've got something to say. (laughs) So when he's going somewhere, he might be going for a meeting. You know, Chris Dupre was here recently, and Steve was going to go meet with Chris Dupre. And I said, "Uh, excuse me, I'm coming. And he said, because you have something to say. Yeah, yeah, I do. I have got something to say. So it's good. I've got 34 years in my belly that I'll need to come out. It's good. So I'm just, so empowerment is something that's near and dear to my heart because I stand up here before you as a person who's empowered, a person who's walked through fear of being up here. And, and I pray that for all of you, too. You, you might, if you're new here, you might have noticed New Hope, it's not a one man show. Or a one woman show. It's not all about one senior leader who's the big charismatic leader that leads all of the followers and gets everybody on the hamster wheel to do everything that needs to be done. <laughs> this is a team effort. Yeah. We, we see everyone out here as powerful people. And um, we, as leaders at New Hope, want to be leaders of leaders. We don't want to be leaders of followers. Because you guys are all powerful and you have something important to add to the puzzle. So let's talk about what does an empowered person look like? Um, I think it's perfect that Karen talked about identity l- last week, because in order to be a powerful person, you need to know who you are. That's a really important part: to know that you're a child of God, to know that He's made you royalty, um, to know that you've been given all authority. To know that you're capable, to know that you're favored. God has empowered us. Psalm one one fifteen sixteen says that the highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to man. He's given us authority here on earth. John fourteen twelve, Jesus said that we will do works even greater than the ones that He did. That's power. That's authority. We we can walk in that identity of knowing that that's who we are. That's who Christ has said we are. And when we feel like that's not who we are, that's a lie, because the truth is that is who you are. Um, secondly, an empowered person dreams dreams. Guess what? God cares what you think. He really really does. Our minds are renewed. We've been given the mind of Christ. When we have thoughts, some, some of those thoughts are directly from the throne. And we think, oh, that's nothing. No, that's not real. Our minds are renewed. They're in the process of continually being renewed more and more and more. So allow, God wants to hear what your thoughts are. He wants to hear what your dreams are. He wants to hear what are your goals. What do you like? What burns in your bones? What makes you feel good? What, what do you not like to do? He cares what you don't want to do. And, you know, let me just put a little caveat on this, that these dreams and goals that we're dreaming, these are within the nature and the purpose of God's kingdom. So we'll just stick that little caveat on there. So I'm not saying that if you feel like you want to go open a strip club, not probably within the realm of what we're talking about here. (laughs) Dreaming dreams are dreaming dreams that are within the nature and the purpose of God's kingdom. But let me also say that when I say within the nature and purpose of God's kingdom, I'm not saying within the church, because it's much bigger than that. God's kingdom is not within these four walls. So as I'm talking this morning, you might feel yourself dreaming dreams that um, are within these four walls. You might feel yourself dreaming dreams that are outside. And considering that 95% of our world exists outside of these four walls, I would expect that most people's dreams are outside of these four walls. So that's okay, and that's just as spiritual as uh, teaching Sunday school leading worship, all of the things that we consider church. Okay? Um, Think about an example of a father and a child. Um, So if a child comes to the father and says, oh, dear father, what is your will for my life? Think about that. In real life, what would a real father? How would he respond? What do you love? What What do you think about? What burns in your bones? What do you dream about? What kind of gifts and, and passions do you have in your heart? God wants to know those things from you. He's not up there like a puppet master. This is my will for you. You do this. You do this. You do this. You do this. He wants you involved. It's a partnership. We're working together with him. Um, an empowered person is teachable. This is really important. Yeah. We're not a whole bunch of powerful jerks. Because <laughs> that would not be fun and no one would ever want to come to this church. <laughs> we're teachable with each other, so, so, if, so we're giving each other feedback and we're able to talk to each other and say, hey, you know what? You're powerful, but we can tweak that a little bit. Let's, let's help teach you and walk you through things like that. Um, a powerful person recognizes lies and speaks the truth. When I was preparing this week, you better believe that I was battling lies, because the old lies that held me back and said, you can't do this, they were right there. They were right on the edge. And I felt, honestly, I'm not tooting my own horn, so powerful, because all week I was like, nope, 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 nope. I was so calm in preparing for this. It was really eerie. <laughs> But it was, it, it was a process that I've been walking through of saying, no, that is not the truth. The truth is I have something to say. The truth is that I have got a lion's roar in my belly, and it needs to come out. So that needs to stop. So a powerful person recognizes those lies and is able to speak the truth and to break the power of those lies. A powerful person recognizes that there's power in our words. Proverbs 18.21, our tongue holds the power of life and death. A powerful person recognizes that you're declaring your future when you're talking about what's going on. I'm so stupid. Why did I do that? No! Don't declare that over yourself. You're not stupid. I can't do this. This is too hard. No! Stop! Declare good things! I always harp on Steve about this, don't I? It kind of drives him crazy. This week is going to suck i will say that sometime. Oh, well, yeah, it is. Guess what? You just declared that. So now it's going to happen. So it annoys him when I remind him. He's like, oh, fine, okay, it's going to be a great week. Steve says, it's going to be a great week. This is going to be a great week. You know those lovely Sunday night, getting ready for Monday morning, like, eh, Sunday night. I don't want to work this week. That's what we're dealing with at those periods of time. Um a powerful person also prays from heaven's perspective. So, um, when we're praying for healing, we're not saying, Oh, dear Jesus, please heal them. No, you've been given authority, right, Craig? Be healed in Jesus' name. Do you see the difference? Oh, dear Jesus, please heal them. Be healed in Jesus' name. Oh, dear Jesus, please, whatever. Okay. In Jesus' name, this needs to happen. Prodigal child that's drifted away. Oh, dear God, please, please, please bring them back. No, I call you back in the name of Jesus. It's already been done. It's declaring. It's recognizing that we operate from heaven's perspective. We've already been given the authority. We don't have to beg and plead for things to happen. So that's what an empowered person looks like. You know who you are in Christ. You dream dreams. You're teachable, you speak truth. So let's talk about what does a disempowered person look like? So a disempowered person is waiting for God to do it all. God please bring me a job. God, please bring me money. God, please make my kids do what they need to do. God, please, everything. Instead of recognizing that he's partnering with us, we're part of the process. He can do all of those things, but he looks for us to play a role in everyday life. It's sad for me when I see people who say, I really want a new job. I'm just waiting for God to bring it and drop it in my lap. Okay. Well, yes, you can pray and ask God to bring you a new job. What can we do in the meantime? How can we partner with him in the meantime? How can we get our resume ready? How can we increase the skills that we need to get the job that we need, that we want? Um, How can we train and look and talk to people and resource and look for things And instead of just this whole mindset that people sometimes have of God's going to do it, so I'm just going to sit here and, and wait. Is there a time for waiting? Yeah. It's a time for waiting, but we wait with an active posture. While we're waiting, we're, we're partnering with him in the meantime, and we're working things out and trying to get get to where we want to be. Um, John Welton talked in in Welton Academy, gave an example of this. Um, In Acts 16.6, it talks about Paul and his companions who were sent out to the provinces to go and make disciples. And when they were traveling to share the gospel, uh, they just went. They didn't know where they were going to go. They just went. And as they traveled from city to city, it said that the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to enter certain cities. And then there were other cities that were wide open to them. So they didn't step out, they didn't sit back and say, Okay, God, tell me what city you want me to go to, and then I'll go. They went and they started knocking on doors. And they trusted because they knew that God loved them enough that he would close the door to the cities that they weren't supposed to go to. And he did. There was another time that Paul had a vision that specifically told him where he should go. That happens. Yeah, absolutely. It's awesome. We all love it when, that's, when it's that clear, right? That's not always the case, though. And when, it, when God doesn't give us a clear vision that says, this is the city you are supposed to go to, this is the job you are supposed to have, this is the person you are supposed to marry, we step forward and we, and we do things and we trust because we know that he loves us and he has our best interest in mind that if we step into something that's not from him, that he's going to close the door. And we're listening and we're waiting and we're feeling. God, where are you leading? What's going on? Is this good? Is this bad? I trust you. I want to know. I want to know where you're at in this process. I want your wisdom to lead and guide me. On a personal level, this was really evident to me because I I've been working as a nurse at Strong and Pediatrics for 14 years. And um, have always had this little inkling that maybe at one point I would go back to school for my nurse practitioner, my master's degree. And two years ago, suddenly it was like, yeah, this is the time. I think this is what I want to do. And uh, I came home and talked to Steve and said, I'm thinking this might be what I want to do this coming fall. It was getting down to the deadline. I had to get in my application. And we were like, OK, let's just, let's just go for it. Let's just try it. And uh, we we did, and it's a three-year-long commitment. It's part-time for three years, in addition to working part-time, in addition to raising four kids, in addition to pastoring here. It's it's a lot. It was an enormous commitment, and I didn't take it lightly. But at no point did I feel like God said to me, "Go get your master's degree." I honestly, didn't. But I felt like this is something that I want to do, and I know that He loves me, and I know that I'm capable. And I'm going to step out, and I'm going to try it, and I'm going to trust that he's going to close the doors if it's not the time for me to do it. And time after time, doors opened. The first year, my parents ended up moving in with us to help take care of the kids. They've since gone to Florida. Um, But the second year, we've had people in our lives who have come alongside of us to help support us with the kids, and it's been a lifesaver. But I didn't know that that was going to happen when I first started. It was stepping out and saying, God, I'm going to do this, and I trust that you're going to help along the way, and if this is not the right timing for me, that you're going to close the door. So that's a lot of times what we need to do, because if you sit back and wait for God to send you a message that says, do this, then you might be paralyzed and do nothing. a, a disempowered person is waiting to be appointed. So sometimes we sit back and think, well, when, I, when someone comes and approaches me and recognizes how gifted and talented I am, then I'll go do something. <laughs> but obviously, they haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> or maybe you're sitting back saying, I'm totally not gifted and talented and I have nothing to give, and uh, waiting for someone to find something in you that maybe you might be good at. But don't wait to be appointed. Wait. Go and talk to somebody about what what you think you want to do. Where you want to go in in whatever arena we're talking. In church, out of church. Talk to people about what your dreams are. And talk to people who may have wisdom to help you walk towards that. Talk to the Lord about what your dreams are. He wants to know. He's planting them in your heart. Um, A disempowered person feels weak and unworthy and helpless. They have a lot of excuses as to why they can't get anything done. They're a victim. Um, This, you know, I recognize that people have hurt and trauma that you've dealt with in your lives, and you might feel like that has made you incapable. But God's bigger than that, and whatever hurt and trauma you've got, the Lord is big enough to heal that and bring you to a place of beauty and bring you to a place of feeling powerful. I had the awesome opportunity to have Sozo ministry last summer. Um, I encourage anybody to have Sozo ministry. Sozo is a ministry we have here at church, um, and it's an, it's an inner healing ministry, and if, if you are just working through stuff in your heart, feeling like there might be stuff from your past, maybe you don't even know what it is, but you feel like you're being held back, this is a beautiful ministry for you to go and the Lord, to reveal what's holding you back and to speak truth over you. So I had Sozo ministry. I wasn't really sure what was going to happen. But um, what came up was very interesting. In 1992, my older brother died in a car accident, and I was 12. It was pretty traumatic. Definitely had the capacity to completely veer me off track. I, I went off track a little bit. But over the last... 20-something years, been working through that, that hurt, that pain. Felt like I had actually come to a pretty good place, but guess what came up in my sozo? The death of my brother, again. Like, really, Lord? There's more? But what was amazing was um, one of the tools that they use, and there's a lot of different tools, was um, I want you to go back to the place where you experienced your greatest pain. And for me, I pictured myself in my brother's hospital room saying goodbye. And they said, I want you to look for Jesus in that room. Some of you might have heard experiences like this. And I saw Jesus there, and I said, "And they said, what do you want to say? And I said, why? Why did you let this happen? And there was nothing. There was silence. And uh, she said, okay, I want you to look for the Father. So I was looking for the Father, and lo and behold, I'm sitting on his lap. He's holding me as I'm there saying goodbye. And she said, "Um, so I want you to look at the Father and I want you to give him those questions. Because you know what? There's not answers to those questions. So I did. I said, Father God, here they are, all wrapped up in a box. I give you these questions of why did you let this happen. And I have a question for you, Father. What do you have for me in return? And what the Father gave me was he took me off of his lap and he stood me up next to him and he picked up this titanium spine, something that you would see like in Terminator. And he went like this. And he put it in my back. And I stood up tall like this. And he said, now go forward with the power that I've given you. You're not broken. You're whole and you're powerful. And that, that takes the message of I've experienced too much pain to be capable and to be powerful. And God says, nope, take that pain and take that trauma and let it make you stronger. Let it make you more powerful. So let's talk about what does empowerment look like at New Hope. Empowerment is a process. Let me just make sure I make that clear. I'm not saying that we've arrived, because you've never arrived. You've never arrived in being empowered. I am now powerful, all the time, every minute of every day. No matter what circumstances come my way, no matter how intimidated I am, I am powerful. No, it's a process. You work through it. You learn how to deal with circumstances and scenarios. You learn more and more about who you are in Christ. You're strengthened by that. So when I talk about what we are at New Hope, this, this, is, um, this is part of who we are. This is part of where we want to be. Um, we've expressed vision. Steve expressed the, the vision of the church. One of the statements that he talked about when he shared vision went along with empowerment, and it was this. A culture that consists of those who want to do extraordinary things, take risks, and partner with God to develop to the fullest potential their calling and destiny. So that's part of the vision of where we want to be at New Hope. I hope that you hear that in our hearts. I hope you see that in the way we communicate. I hope you see that in the way we talk. It's important that when you are creating in a culture of empowerment, powerful people, that we share a vision. And and that's part of why we've been releasing vision. That's part of why we've been talking about core values and going deeply into each one of these seven core values because we all need to be headed in the same direction. We can't be a whole bunch of powerful people that are headed in a whole bunch of different directions because that's just a mess. That's chaos. So we've been communicating where we are, where we're we're going. And we share experiences throughout our church life, and those experiences lead us lead us towards this goal and this vision of where we want to be. So when we have these shared values, we move together in the same same direction. So you might hear us talking more about vision and core values. This needs to become part of our talk. These words, freedom and biblical and identity and empowerment, this is part of our regular talk here because that's part of our culture. And in order for us to have a powerful culture, those are the things that we need to understand about each other and who we are here at New Hope. How much more is an empowered culture capable of accomplishing? Mm, yeah. Think about that. You can have a bureaucratic-type leadership style. They, they happen in churches. They happen in businesses. How many businesses with a bureaucratic-type leadership style are still functioning well today? That's kind of the old-school approach to leadership, right? That's kind of the way it used to be. That's kind of the way it used to be in churches. Um, but we're not about bureaucracy here. We're about a culture of powerful people. Like I said, we want to be leaders of leaders, not leaders of followers. So we all take initiative. We all play a part in bringing this kingdom about. Um, It's important in a powerful culture that we have boundaries. Uh Uh-oh. Yep, (laughs) I said it. We can't all be powerful In every arena of life, without recognizing that there there are boundaries within which we need to operate. So, if you're released, let's say in a church setting, and you're released to be in charge of the children's ministry, we want to empower you that when you're in charge of that children's ministry, you have freedom to be powerful and to make decisions and to do the things that you need to do within your set of boundaries. So, if you are the head of the children's ministry and you decide that you don't like the way worship was going and you want to try to take over that ministry, um, you've overstepped your boundaries. We want people to be free, to be powerful within the boundaries of whatever authority that they've been given. And this is in whatever arena of life. Boundaries are good. We need them. We need them with each other, too, right? Um, A sense of community is really vital in a culture of empowerment. We need to value diversity. We don't all want to look the same. That's so lame and boring. And we want to value each other's disagreements and different ways of thinking about things. We want to be stretched and grow and be able to be challenged by each other. So diversity is good. We like diversity. We want to be a group of teachable and humble people. We want this to be a launching pad for people. We want you to feel like this is an opportunity for you to be here at New Hope and to be launched into whatever it is that you're doing in, inside the church or outside of the church. Steve and I like the image of leaning leaning forward. You know that book by Cheryl Sandberg leaning in. It's a it's a beautiful way to think about it that you're leaning forward. We're we're moving somewhere. We're not just sitting back passively enjoying the ride. We're leaning in. We're taking initiative. We're moving forward. And in this sense of community, we need to encourage and honor each other. Uh, Danny Silk has this awesome quote in Powerful and Free. The church should be the safest, freest, and most empowering place for women, for anyone. It should be a place where God can show off by taking the world's rejects and revealing the incredible gifts, beauty, and power that he has placed within them. Isn't that beautiful? It is, it is. That is our heart. That is our heart here. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk about what does conflict look like when you're in a powerful culture? Because mm. when people feel powerful, there's conflict. <laughs> it happens. Um, James 119 says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. It's a good starting point. Yeah. It's a good foundation. <laughs> um. So, when you confront someone in a powerful culture, you confront them while still allowing them to feel powerful. Do you get that? It's a very different approach than confronting someone and saying, you are wrong, I am powerful, I'm going to make you feel powerless, so that then you'll do what I want you to do. It's very different to conf- confront someone in a powerful culture where your goal is to leave that confrontation where that person still feels powerful, even after you just confronted them. It's kind of a change in mindset. Um, so healthy feedback is important in an empowered culture. We need to know how we're affecting each other, right? Because we're, we're all a family here. We're affecting each other. Healthy feedback on a regular basis is something that's important. Um, and it's important to look, stop, and think, okay, I'm going to go f- confront someone. What's my motive behind why I, feel need to, why I feel like I need to confront them? Is it uh, because my power was threatened? Because that's not a good motivation for confronting someone. But the motivation is maintaining a healthy relationship with each other. These types of confrontations need to happen to, to maintain healthy relationships. Bill Johnson has a quote. He says, Grace in a culture gives the sin that resides in people's hearts an opportunity to manifest. So when we're all involved and when we're part of a team, it makes it a lot harder to passively sit back in your chair and hide all of your skeletons in the closet. A grace culture brings that stuff to the surface. When we've got a bureaucratic leadership and your job is to just sit back and passively do whatever it is I tell you to do, it's very easy to be fake. It's not so easy to be fake when we're pulling on you as part of our team to step out and be powerful. Stuff comes up, and that's okay. That's part of the process, and we're okay with that here. We're okay with people being vulnerable and transparent, because the saddest thing to me is when people sit back and come to a place where their life has completely fallen apart because two years ago they were afraid to be honest and work through stuff at the beginning stages of what was going on. So vulnerability and honesty, it's very, it's very valued here. Um, so when you're empowered, you're also empowered to clean up your own messes. Uh, this environment sends a, sends a message that there's personal responsibility that's required. So if we allow people to step out before they are perfect, you might mess up. And that's okay. You just need to know that you'll be held responsible to clean up those messes, and we'll walk alongside of you. But it's not all about, oh, we, we let you step out, and you made an enormous mess. Now we're going to make sure that you feel powerless and go back and sit in your seat and don't ever step out and do something again, and we'll clean up the mess for you. No, the way that we make you maintain your power, even when you've stepped out and failed, is to say, okay, you're still a powerful person, so let's clean up this mess and let's move forward together. Um, If we can trust that we have each other's best interests at heart, confrontation actually builds very deep relationships. If you feel like you can't trust people and those people come and confront you, you're not going to be vulnerable, you're not going to be honest, and you might, that person might get a confession out of you, but they're not going to know what the real truth is behind why you acted the way you did. If you really want to find out why someone acted the way they did, they have to trust you to be able to open up and be honest and to be truthful and say, you're right, I was wrong, this is why, this is what I was feeling this is why I said what I said. That's, that's the goal of true confrontation, is getting to the truth. What's the lie that you were believing that made you act in that way? Um, Bill Johnson says that if it doesn't hurt you to confront another person, you probably have the wrong attitude. So this is not just a culture where we're just a bunch of powerful people that all confront each other all the time. No, that's not the case. It, it still needs to hurt. We're not coming up up to someone with the thought of, I'm going to make you feel powerless, I'm going to be powerful, that's going to make me feel good, and then we're going to move on. No, when you're confronting someone and you're looking for true honesty and true vulnerability, it hurts to confront people. So you take it seriously. It's not just a willy-nilly, confront her, confront him, he hurt my feelings, and, you know, it's something that you need to think about and pray about and decide, okay, this is worth confronting, my motives are good. I have a trusting relationship with this person. I'm doing the right thing by confronting this person, and I'm doing it with a good heart. And my goal is to reveal truth and vulnerability. Um, Galatians five thirteen to 15. This is from the message version. This is such a great, great verse. It says, It is absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. Just make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. Rather, use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's how freedom grows. For everything we know about God's word is summed up in a single sentence. Love others as you love yourself. That's an act of true freedom. If you bite and ravage each other, watch out. In no time at all, you will be annihilating each other. And where will your where will, where will your precious freedom be then? Freedom gives us the choice to love each other. It's not something that's forced. And when we live in a culture where we're free, the choice to love is way more beautiful than being forced to love, being obligated to love, and pretend that you care. You have a choice here to love each other. So. I hope that that stirred something in your heart. I hope that there are dreams in your heart that you feel like, hmm, I think maybe it's just touching on that. Um, You know, you might be a person that has always wanted to start your own business. Well, take some steps to get there. Look for opportunities. Ask God for ideas and plans and resources. Don't fear making mistakes. Step out and do it. If your dream is to be The best mommy you can be will recognize what's God's truth about your capabilities. Who has he said that you are as a mom or a dad? Don't believe the lies, because they're there. Mommy guilt sucks, right? Any mommies out there that feel that? (laughs) It's terrible. We can compare each other, compare ourselves to each other, and get ourselves all worked up into such a tizzy. What's the truth about who you are? What has God said? Don't believe the lies that want to lock you up in mommy guilt. Ask God to partner with you on a daily basis, minute by minute. Feeding the baby, washing the dishes. Guess what? He's so blessed when you do those things. You are not any less spiritual when you are rocking your baby to sleep, doing your dishes, doing homework with your kids, driving your kid to and from soccer practice, praying for your grandchildren, doing all the things that you do for your grandkids too. You're not any less spiritual when you do those things. God is so pleased with you, so don't believe any of the lies that say that you are insignificant if your dream is to be the best mom or dad that you can be. Maybe you, ha- Maybe you have a dream to play an instrument and be on the worship team here. Well, develop your gift. Share your desires with people. Be prepared for feedback, because feedback comes in a healthy culture. And serve where you can serve. I I really would love for whatever's stirring in your heart, just share it with somebody. You know, as you're thinking through this over the next few days and thinking, you know, I do have some dreams, I do have some goals, I do have somewhere that I've wanted to go, but I've felt paralyzed and haven't been able to step out and go there. Just start by sharing it with somebody. Somebody that you trust. Somebody that's going to encourage you. Someone that's not going to put you right down. Don't do that. Talk to somebody who's going to encourage you in that, because uh, that's step one. And talk to the Lord about those dreams, because he loves to hear the dreams of his kids. He loves it. Amen? Amen. I forgot to mention that when I came back from Bethel, my birthday was a week later. This is what my dad got me for my birthday, (laughs) because I had shared with him what the Lord had said about my lion's roar in my belly. Thank you, Dad. I'm sure you're listening to this. He can't wait to listen. He's very excited. I love you, Dad. (laughs) All right. Just stand with me. I'm going to pray over you guys. Jesus, thank you that you have said that we are powerful. That you've given us all the authority that you have. Thank you that you've said that we would do even greater things than you did. We stand strong on our identity in you knowing that you have called us children of God, knowing that you have called us royalty, and knowing that you have made us powerful people. So we break the power of the lies that have held us back in Jesus' name, the lies that have said that we are incapable, the lies that keep us powerless. We break the power of those in Jesus' name. And we ask you to just flood us with your truth about who we are, Open our minds to dream dreams again. Expand the minds of those who already dream dreams. Help them to dream more dreams. And I pray that people would be stirred to step out and do things and take risks and be effective and take initiative and don't sit back and just wait. I pray that people's hearts would be stirred to do this. And thank you, God, for this culture that you are developing here at New Hope. We continue to invite you into every interaction that we have with each other. We pray that our hearts would always have the best intentions and that you would pick up the pieces where we mess up because you've got our backs, and we're not going to be perfect, but we know that you're here with us in every interaction, and we invite you to be a part. And as we step out of these doors and step out into The rest of life outside of New Hope, we thank you, God, that this will go with us there. And wherever we are, whether we're working, whether we're home, whether we're in school, I pray that we would walk into those places with knowing that we're powerful and that we wouldn't be held back by lies. Thank you, God, for breaking fear off of people in Jesus' name. Thank you, God, for healing hearts and for healing trauma and for reminding us that there is nothing nothing that could have taken place in our lives that makes us powerless. That you still call us powerful no matter what we've walked into and walked through.